welcome to the Well-Read Podcast, a bi-weekly discussion on books and reading. I'm Hallie. And I'm Anne. And we are librarians who love to read and talk about books. And today, it is one of our preview episodes, which we absolutely love doing, where we look ahead for the next about six months or so and talk about some of the books we're excited that are going to be published. And so today, it's August through February, right? No, September through February. Yeah. September through February books. (laughs) You scared me for a second. No, no, it's, I was just, I don't know. Because it is August. It's August right now, right? Exactly. So yeah, we love doing these. I think that we've gotten some feedback that you all like hearing them. And and this is the first, one of the first, I think, maybe I'm speaking out of turn, but uh, I haven't read any of my books that we're going to be talking about. And sometimes I sneak in some that I've already read. Right. And and this time they're all new to me and they're all books I'm excited about, about reading. Oh, that's very fun. I will say I messaged Tally uh, today and said, I think we should split this into two episodes because there's just too many to pick from. Yeah. And I think we say that every single time that there are too many books to pick from, but it remains true. It does <laughs> there, remain true. There are they too keep, many good books. They keep publishing books and they keep <laughs> making books that I want to read. Yeah. And I think fall is a big... Fall is a big time to publish books that I like. There are certain rhythms to the publishing cycle, and you get a lot of beach reads in May or April-May time frame. And then in the fall, you get a lot of literary fiction, and you get a lot of what you like, uh, horror kind of mm-hmm. creepy mysteries. mysteries. Yeah. I think it's spread out a little bit more than it used to be, I think, in Years ago, I think it used to be much more structured of certain kinds of books came out at specific times of year. But there are still those patterns to the to the publication. And, and nothing comes out in December for the most yeah, part. <laughs> Occasionally something pops up. Yeah, I was surprised this time that there were as many uh, winter books that I was excited about because that does seem to be the case that it's a summer and fall mm-hmm. heavy publishing season mm-hmm. and then winter and spring to some degree yep. are, are lighter and this time I was I was like dang February I know February has a whole lot but we did our best we did our do our best to weed it down okay why don't you start with your first one okay my first book is Reykjavik by Ragnar Jonasson and Katrine Jakob's daughter and it comes out on September 5th and I picked this because I've liked several of Ragnar Jonasson's books he writes Icelandic thrillers and then his co-writer is the prime minister of Iceland no way (laughs) so how can I not want to read this so this is set in 1956 or it starts in 1956 when a teenage girl named Lara disappears from an island off the coast of Reykjavik and this becomes Iceland's most this becomes Iceland's most famous uh, cold case and then 30 years later a journalist starts to investigate and it soon becomes clear that someone is actually and has been working to keep Lara's disappearance from being solved all these years and so like I said the prime minister wrote it and it's the current prime minister and I thought it was just so interesting that she would write a novel but it turns out that she actually has a master's degree in a, in Icelandic literature wow. and she wrote her uh, master's thesis on the famous uh, Icelandic crime writer Arnold Arnoldur Indriðason. I'm yes. stuttering on his name yeah. and that was really fascinating to me. So, so this is hilarious because do you follow Parnassus books? I'm assuming you do on yes. Instagram. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So every Friday they have, if you haven't read it, it's new to you. And Ann Patchett talks about a book that yes. is an older book. And this past Friday, she talked about Independent People by an Icelandic author. And 
how she was at dinner with some Icelandic professor or something like that. And he turned to her and said, so, Anne, tell me your favorite Icelandic authors. And she said, <laughs> I have never read an Icelandic author. And so he said, oh, you need to read this one. And so I have heard of independent people throughout my reading life, but I've never picked it up. So I thought, oh, maybe uh-huh. I'll need to pick it up. But anyway, so it's funny you're talking about an Icelandic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I guess that her, I was just reading up on her today, and her, um, she has two brothers who are professors in the humanities in Iceland, too. And so it's just like, oh, Iceland, you're so, you're so interesting. Is that where they have the Christmas Eve book flood? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, they're a, that's the... They're a bookish culture in that, in they Iceland. They are. Yeah. Makes me like them. It makes me like them, I too. I do. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. Do you have anything else to say about that? I kind of nope, sidetracked us. Nope. Okay. Nope. That's it. My first one is The Christmas Orphans Club by Becca Freeman. It comes out September 26th, so just a few weeks from now. And Becca is the co-host of a podcast that I really like called Bad on Paper, which I think I just talked about recently. And she, at the end of every episode, they talk about what they're reading. And then they also have dedicated book club episodes so it's a, it's a very bookish podcast and I've noticed that Becca and I have very similar taste in books particularly in rom-coms and which she mm-hmm. tends to read a lot of so this is her debut novel she's just getting public she's publishing fiction for the first time and it's been really fun to listen as she has gone through this process because she didn't consider herself a creative person really she w- worked in marketing for years and and then started this podcast. And so then this is kind of a new adventure for her to have delved into writing fiction. But it just feels like it's exciting to see somebody that you kind of know. I mean, obviously, I don't know her personally, but you know that you feel like you know something about. And so I'm excited to to get this in my hands and get to read it. It's being billed as a rom-com, I think. But the way she talks about it, it seems more like a friendship story. It sounds like there's some romance in it, but it's really about four friends and they it started with two friends who uh, have known each other for years and then they kind of pull in two additional people into their friend group and for years they have spent christmas together because for various reasons they don't go home to their families and so every christmas they have these traditions that they do and they try to make it some sort of an adventure every christmas this year though one of them is about to move away from New York. They're going to move to LA. This friend is going to be moving, so this is their last chance to have one of these Christmases together, potentially. Um, and it just sounds really lovely and heartwarming and funny. And as as you know, Anne, and I think maybe some of our listeners know, last year, I read a bunch of Christmas-themed books in December, and I just loved it because it just felt so <laughs> Christmassy and festive. So I'm really excited to have this new one to look forward to to add add to my stack for I'll probably read it maybe in November or something as I'm starting to gear up for the Christmas season and so that is the Christmas Orphans Club by Becca Freeman that sounds really cute it sounds adorable um, next is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison and it publishes on September 19th which is my birthday I want to put that out there for sure happy birthday thank you <laughs> I've really enjoyed every book of Rachel Harrison's that I've read I think I've read oh that's a good question now at least two. Yeah. I know she has more, but but I I think they're all fun. Um, Cackle was a favorite of mine a couple of years ago, and I think she just really hits this perfect light horror genre that 
that I don't see very often and I, I like her a lot. So this is about Vesper Wright and she is invited to a cousin's wedding on her family's farm, which would be a totally normal situation if the family farm weren't actually a religious community that Vesper left when she was 18. And she was told at the time that she could never go back, so she's not sure what this invitation means. She doesn't know if it's an olive branch or is it a trap. So she knows she's going to have to see her mother, Constance, who was a former horror star, and confront her own crisis of faith and the secrets the family is keeping on the farm. And as I was writing this, I kept thinking, this makes it sound so serious. <laughs> and and the, the marketing is not serious at all. Um, her books have this humor to them that's kind of her trademark. And I just think she has really fun ideas, mm -hmm. really interesting ideas that are kind of different than what, oh, what, what other authors I've seen are doing right now. So that is Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison. Yeah, I really like, now I can't think of the title of it, but I read a book by her a few years ago and I really liked it. And I have Cackle on my shelf because I know you liked it so much. So I'll, maybe this fall, I'll give that a shot. Was it The Return that she, was that the Yes, The Return. Was that what it's called? The Return? It has the... Something like that, about the friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're staying yeah. at a hotel, yeah. My next one is The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab, and it comes out September 26th. I love V.E. Schwab. The books that I've read by her have been favorites of mine, particularly The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue, which came out a few years ago. I know a lot of people have liked that one. And then the Shades of Magic series, which did I force you to read a Shade of Shades of Magic book? Yeah, that was a reading from our TBR yeah, yeah. So, uh, episode. Yeah, so I really liked that series. Uh, and this is evidently a spinoff of the Shades of Magic series. So it takes place in the same universe, but I want to say seven years after the events at the end of the Shades of Magic series. So it's got some of the same characters from that series, but also some new ones are introduced. And it seems like you can read this without having already read that series. But if you've read it, maybe it'll you'll, you'll pick up on some nuances that or little Easter eggs and things that you maybe wouldn't if you hadn't read the series. But there is a, one of the new characters is a girl who has an unusual magical ability, and she discovers a magical object that can apparently change the fate of all four Londons. So the idea of these books is that they're these basically parallel Londons, and magic has a different place in each of them, a kind of an important place in each of them. And so it sounds like she holds, she holds the key to changing the, the fate of all four Londons. And it's described as having, somebody in a review said, um, in a Kirkus review said, it has dynamic, unconventional characters, suspenseful plots, rich world building, and compelling relationships. And so that just all sounds excellent to me. And this sounds like a really good fall read too. There's something about mm -hmm. kind of fantastical worlds, like cozy up on the couch in front of a fire and read this kind of book. I don't know. It sounds good. So that is The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab. Yeah, I think I think having sort of the, the brain, like the mental capacity to to go into deeper world building yeah. is, seems kind of fall and wintery. So I, th I think that sounds fun. Okay, next is Black AF History, An Unwhitewashed Story of America, or The Unwhite Unwhitewashed Story of America by M Michael Harriet. And this comes out on September 19th, which again is my birthday. <laughs> again, so this happy is birthday. <laughs> <laughs> it's not there yet. Um, so this is a retelling of American history that places black experiences back into it where they've always been. And it aims to subvert the idea of a sugar-coated inspirational mythology of the way you, the United States was founded um, and its history since then and conf confront inaccuracies that erase black historical figures. And so as the title suggests, the, the tone is going to be provocative but humorous. 
at the same time, it relies on research from prominent black historians. So I thought this was, this sounded really fascinating, especially in light of the uh, constant attacks that we're seeing right now of how students are currently being taught American history. And so this sounds like it's it's going to be an important book and will be in line with titles like the, the uh, 1619 Project mm -hmm. and similar things. So that is Black AF History by Michael Harriet. That sounds good. I haven't heard that one. I don't pay as much attention to nonfiction as you do, so that sounds good. I'm not sure how I came across it, but it sounds... I guess I am a nonfiction librarian you are, now. You are, you are. Huh. <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> That's not my, my uh, area, so <laughs> somehow I just came across My next one is Family Meal by Brian Washington. It comes out October 10th. Brian Washington is a very well-regarded author, and I've been meaning to read his work for a while, but I just, I don't know why, I just haven't gotten around to it. Um, but I know his books, Memorial and Lot, have gotten a lot of it acclaimed. I think at least one of them has won some awards. So he's just a very, he, he's an author to watch. Like, he's an author to know. He also is a food writer for uh, the New York Times, is it the New yes. York Times Magazine or New York Times? Anyway. Uh, no, our New York Times uh, food section, food which section. Okay. I was telling you that, that it shocked me when I realized they were the same person because <laughs> I knew about both of them yeah. in different aspects of my life. Yeah, isn't that funny? And it, Brian Washington, that could be... That could be a name that two people would both have that name and both be writers yeah. and it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility. So I yeah. understand why you didn't make that connection. So it's about two men who used to be best friends, but they are now estranged. One of the men, Cam, moves back to his hometown of Houston after living in L.A. Um, because his the love of his life has passed away. And so Cam comes back to grieve and just kind of rest and and reorganize his life and, and get his footing back after losing this person who is very important to him. And when he gets back to Houston, he encounters his former best friend, TJ. And so it sounds like the book is about them trying to work through their past, their shared past, and then what's happened in the meantime when they weren't friends anymore, and the ways that they hurt each other still have ramifications now, and so they, they have to work through that as well. And then obviously Cam has to work through the grief of losing this important person in his life. So it sounds kind of sad, um, a little bit heart-wrenching, but it also sounds like there's some hope maybe to it, and it's like a story of both love and loss, and, and I like those bittersweet kind of books, as you know, if you've listened for long enough. And so this sounds like it strikes that balance really well. And also that there's some amazing descriptions of food, as you would imagine, uh, and as the title would indicate. So this is Family Meal by Brian Washington. Okay, next is Last to Leave the Room by Caitlin Starling, and it comes out on October 10th. And this is the writer of The Death of Jane Lawrence, which came oh, out. Oh, I knew years I ago. knew that name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that was one I really enjoyed. Um, I think we both read it for the, the committee two years ago, mm -hmm. and it's it's just a great gothic novel. And so this is a dark speculative novel, so a little bit more on the sci fi side of things, but probably in the area of sci fi that I'm. Uh, more comfortable with mm -hmm. <laughs> than most of it but it's also uh it's the kind of book that's difficult to explain succinctly because it's lots of here's this weird thing that you need to know more about in order for this to make sense so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll do my best um so it is set in a city called san sirocco and it is sinking the researcher in charge of finding out why this is happening is dr tamson rivers and she 
is known for being cruel and arrogant and pretty difficult to be around. And her basement where she is doing the research is sinking faster than the rest of the city. And so it has constantly changing dimensions. And one day there's a door there that opens to reveal a perfect doppelganger of Tamsin, except she is sweet and kind and basically the total opposite of her. So the longer she is around her doppelganger, the more Tamsin begins to forget her memories and to grow paranoid and she knows that she has to hold herself together long enough to find out what the doppelganger wants and where this mysterious door that she came from is leading so it just sounds kind of (laughs) weird and um, a little more speculative fiction is kind of probably the right Right. place for this because it's sounds horror plus maybe sci-fi it's a little bit hard to know without having read it, but but it just sounds really interesting. So that is Last to Leave the Room by Caitlin Starling. My next one is The Leftover Woman by Jean Kwok. It comes out October 10th. And this one is about two women, one who is fleeing from a controlling husband in China, and she arrives in the U.S. looking for her daughter, who is taken from her at birth, uh, and that's due to the Chinese policy of only having one child. And so she is in dire straits, it sounds like, you know, doesn't have any money, trying to avoid having her husband find her, and then also looking for her daughter. And then there's another woman who has a high-powered job in the publishing industry. She's a very successful husband. It's kind of like a picture-perfect life. She has um, this wonderful job, this great husband, and then she, her daughter, who she adopted uh, as a baby, and who she adores. And then a publishing scandal, some sort of I don't know what it is from the descriptions, but some sort of publishing scandal threatens not only her job, but also her marriage and her perfect life. And so everything that she thought she had starts to fall apart a little bit. So it's clear these two women, their paths are going to intersect. And it sounded a little bit to me like kind of like Little Fires Everywhere by Celeste Ng or Such a Fun Age by Kylie Reed, kind of the dynamics between different women coming from different life circumstances and I loved both of those books so I have high hopes for this one and that is The Leftover Woman by Jean Kwok. That sounds really interesting. Okay next is Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. I knew you were gonna pick this one. (laughs) Oh it comes out on November 7th and this is the follow-up to Legends and Lattes which I haven't talked about yet because I I read it earlier this year, but it is definitely going to be on my favorite books of the year uh, list. And so this is a prequel that features the main character from Legends and Lattes, who's named Viv. And she is a young mercenary orc when this book is happening, who is just starting out on her career. And while she is part of a campaign to hunt down a powerful necromancer, she's wounded and she's sent against her will to a sleepy town called Merc. And she's afraid that because of that, she's going to be put out of the action forever. And she ends up spending her time in a dusty bookstore where she meets new friends. And that turns out to be exactly what she needs. And after, so after I read Legends and Lattes, I texted several people, including Hallie, to say, what just happened? <laughs> um, how do I love a high fantasy novel so much? Because it's not my thing at all. If you tell me that things, there's going to be orcs and goblins and anything along those lines I it's pretty much when my like sleep trigger starts to (laughs) to kick in but because it was so low stakes and it's it uh what we're calling cozy fantasy is Mm -hmm. kind of the the phrase that I hear most often uh used to describe this type of book the conflict is really light it's mostly just about being in a quaint picturesque 
picturesque space that has lovable characters and it sort of hits the same notes as cozy mysteries for me so i don't know <laughs> if i can speak the words i think this might be the book i'm most excited about oh for the season and that means we're in bizarro world oh because God. that's that's just i i don't i still am flummoxed by this so um but it's just so good so that is uh, Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry. Yeah, I still need to read Legends and Lattes, but I, oh. I know, I know. It's just hard with that. I mean, I know everybody loves it, but it's still hard to bring myself to read something I know. like that. I know. <laughs> I, I totally get it. All right. Well, my next one, I think, is one of the most anticipated books of the fall for a lot of people. It's Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. Comes out November 7th. <laughs> so this one is the follow-up to the ridiculously popular book, The Fourth Wing, which came out, gosh, April, maybe May. And I don't know, yeah. it, it just blew up. Everybody was talking about this book. So I liked it a lot. I don't know that I loved it the way everybody else loves it, but I did like it a lot. It was definitely very compelling. I mean, it definitely kept me reading, kept me interested. And then at the end, the way it ends... As soon as I finished, I pre-ordered the second book because I thought, oh, now, no I, need, way. now I need to know what happens next because of, the wow. way, because of the way it ends. And plus, partially because I know, I knew when I was reading it how popular it already was. And I thought putting it on hold at the library seems like maybe it would take forever to get it. So yeah. I just went ahead and yeah. pre-ordered it. So I don't really know that much about the second book. So I'll just tell you a little bit about what Fourth Wing was about and then what I believe the, the next book to be about. So... Fourth Wing was about this young girl named Violet who is raised in, so this is a fantasy, I should say that, like this is a, this is a fantasy novel. So she is raised with the expectation that she will be a scribe. So that's sort of like, kind of like a librarian or something. It's like somebody who would record the, um, the history of this world where she lives. And it's a, it's a war-torn world. Like there's constantly war happening. And so um, her father was a scribe, and so she is raised to be one. And then her father passes away, and her mother forces her to enroll in this war college in order to become a dragon rider. So it's this very competitive college where you basically, even surviving is, is unlikely for many people, and especially somebody like Violet because she wasn't trained for it. And she um, is never specifically named, but she definitely deals with some sort of chronic illness. And so uh, her joints are overly flexible and, and she doesn't have the ability to bounce back the way people would, you know, if they got hurt or something like that. I won't give any spoilers about, about what happens at the end, but it sounds like it's a continuation of the story that's taken place in the first book, still set, I think, at this war college. I don't think it's, it's a new setting. I think it's still there. Um, but these are really fun, plot-driven, fast-paced books. They're kind of snarky, like the the dragons that are in it have personalities and you can hear their thoughts and they're kind of snarky and funny. Um, there's a little bit of romance and uh, lots of adventure, lots of action. So I think if you like A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J. Moss, which has been a very popular series on on the internet, on the Instagram, or even The Hunger Games. <laughs> The TikTok. Yeah, on the TikTok. Even The Hunger Games, you know, we talked about that just last time. But books like that that are just very fast-paced and you kind of get swept up in the story and what's going to happen to all these characters in very dire situations, like in, in life-threatening situations, 
I definitely think you should read Fourth Wing if you haven't yet, although my guess is if you have any interest at all at this point, you've probably read it. But if you haven't, then pick it up now and you'll be all set for November when the, the sequel comes out. That is Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros. I feel like if you can read Dragon Fantasy, you can read Legends and Lattes. Oh, I can totally read Legends and Lattes. It's just a matter of being in the mood to read Legends and Lattes. You know what I mean? Because <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like I just have to be in the right No, I know. It sounds it sounds funny to say like I don't I'll read about dragons and I won't read about orcs. I don't tend to read about dragons either. It was just right. I read it because it was so so popular and everybody was talking about it and I want to be in the know when everybody's talking about a book. That's a good reason. <laughs> and I'm glad I read it. It was really good. It was it was fun to read. Yeah, I'm excited to read it. I've got it on my shelf right now, yeah. so I think I'll get to it soon. Okay, next is The Excitements by C.J. Ray, and that comes out on January 30th. And this is being billed as The road code, the Rose Code Meets Killers of a Certain Age. And I really, really liked both of those books, so I think that this um, sounds very fun. Yeah. Um, the Williamson sisters were treasured World War II vets, and now they're in their late 90s, and they're popular speakers at commemoration events. And they've been invited to Paris to receive the Legion of Honor for their role in liberating France. And they're going to be accompanied by their great nephew, Archie, who thinks that they have a, that they, they had minor roles in World War II. And it's sort of just their age that's making them um, as popular of speakers as they are. But he doesn't realize that Josephine and Penny Williamson did much more in the war than they've ever told him. And that this trip to Paris is not exactly what they've built it to be they're they're there and they have new information about an old enemy and they finally it's finally time for them to avenge lost friends and there's going to be a heist that they have to pull off before the end of their careers as part of what happened to them in world war ii and i just think that sounds so much fun so elderly protagonists are having a moment they, they are, have been yeah. for several years and it's still uh, going and so I just think that this one sounds sounds like a perfect continuation of that. So that is The Excitements by C.J. Ray. That combination of comp titles sells it for me. Completely. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, my next one is The Bride Bet by Tessa Dare. It's supposed to come out January 15th, 2024. However, <laughs> I don't know that I believe it's coming out January 15th, 2024. The backstory on this book is that it's the fourth in the Girl Meets Duke series by Tessa Dare, which the books were pretty regularly being released from 2017 to 2019. So there are three of them so far. Okay. And then the next one was supposed to be published in, I think, 2020 originally, maybe not till 2021. But there were definitely, there was definitely a date it was supposed to be published, and then it got pushed back. And my memory is it was going to be 2020, then it got pushed back to 2021. And then it got pushed back to 2024. With kind of no explanation from the author or anybody, it was just sort of like, sorry, this is this has been delayed. And I think maybe she, you know, she referred to needing to take a break or something like that, which of course, all respect to that, I understand it's hard. Publishing a book a year is probably a very difficult thing to do. And who knows what else was going on in, in her life or anybody else's life that, that would have prevented her from writing it. But it's just yeah. a little bit strange for that big of a gap that it was supposed to come out so long ago and usually if a book gets pushed it's pushed months or maybe a year or so it's not often that long especially for a romance novel and I don't mean to just dis- I'm not disparaging romance novels in any way but they tend to publish those quickly um, right. and so it's it's unexpected that it would take this long to get it out but anyway it's still saying 2024 
in January. So, so we'll see. There's a description for it. So that makes me hopeful that it's coming out. It's about uh, a, a girl who is a kind of a bookish daughter of a scholar and a Duke's son who made a bet that if neither of them were going, were getting married in 10 years or if neither of them were married in 10 years, they would marry each other. And the woman thinks it's kind of a joke um, because she doesn't see herself as all, at all as a duchess. Uh, and she just assumes that the Duke, at the time, he's not a Duke yet, but that he will be a Duke and he'll have no trouble finding a woman to marry him. But then now it's been 10 years and he shows up and he wants to hold her to the promise that they made because he needs an heir. He's the Duke now. He needs an heir. The two of them <laughs> decide that they're going to try to convince the other one of their position. So she's she's trying to convince him that he doesn't want to marry her, basically. Like she says, yes, I made this promise. So yes, I'll marry you. But then she sets out to show him that she's not really marriage material for him, that she's not going to be a good duchess. And he sets out to show her, no, we are a good match for each other. And I'm going to prove it to you. And I'm going to do that in various intimate ways. Um, and so <laughs> uh, romantic shenanigans seem to ensue. Uh, that is The Bride Bet by Tessa Dare. Again, don't hold me to it that it's coming out in January, but that's what they're saying right now. And I'm looking forward to it. I love Tessa Dare, and I really liked the series. So I'm very hopeful it's actually going to be released. That's a that's a little bit of a book mystery. It is a book mystery, so we'll see. Okay, um, next is The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden, and that comes out on February 13th. And Catherine Arden wrote The Bear and the Nightingale, mm-hmm. which was, was very popular. And this is another historical fantasy, but it sounds kind of light on the fantasy, but um, it's set in World War I. Hmm. So it starts out in 1918, where um, a woman named Laura Ivan is in or she had been a nurse during the last days of World War I, and she was wounded and sent home to Canada, and she receives news that her brother Freddie was killed in Flanders and is given his um, personal effects, but when she gets them, she knows that something isn't right, and the, the description doesn't go into any detail of how she knows that, so, so I'm not sure what that means exactly. But she decides to return to Belgium and uh, try to, to look for him and find out what happened. And she begins to hear rumors of haunted trenches. And then it flashes back to 1917 when Freddie is trapped with a German soldier after an explosion. And they form an alliance to get out of the situation only to meet a mysterious man who promises to make the horrors of war disappear. That could, no, that could go into a not very fantasy plot right. or it could go into a super fantasy plot so I'm just kind of curious about that it's it's very intriguing to me and I, I think she's a really great author I'm very attracted to the title because everyone knows that ghosts have cold hands and so <laughs> I want to know how they have warm hands in this situation and I think it'll be interesting so um, that is The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden. You're, you know that's a fact that they have cold that's hands? That's a fact that's everyone knows that <laughs> All right. My next one is Come and Get It by Kylie Reed. It comes out January 30th. I knew this would be I know. This I would be yours. This as soon as I could. Uh, so <laughs> Kylie Reed is the author of Such a Fun Age, which I absolutely adored. And I think, Anne, I speak for you, but I think you absolutely adored it as well. Yes, it was great. So this one takes place in 2017 at the University of Arkansas. And it sounds like it revolves around several different women. One is Millie, who is a senior at the school, and she is a resident assistant, right? Is that what RA stands for? Yes. She's a, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, she's getting ready to grad. Pardon? 
Yeah. Right? <laughs> I had to think about that quite a bit. <laughs> I was like, wait, is that what it stands for? Yes, I think so. Anyway, so she's an RA, if you know what an RA is. Uh, she's, she's getting ready to graduate. She's looking for a job for after graduation, you know, ready to enter the real world, just kind of preparing herself as, as one does in your senior year. And then the next woman is Agatha Paul, who is a visiting professor and a writer who connects with Millie because she is looking for students to interview for her research on weddings. And so she's hoping Millie can help her find some of the students that live in Millie's dorm to to interview, is my understanding. And then there's apparently some sort of dorm prank that goes awry. So all the reviewers that have read this that I saw, um, and this is like people who are reading advanced copies, not professional reviews. So all these early reviewers are saying it's very character driven and looks at race and class. And someone referred to the messy politics of living in a dorm, which is intriguing to me because Mm. there is, you know, there is like college drama that revolves around you're all living together and, and lots of time is spent all together. And so I think that you know, drama can arise from that. So that is Come and Get It by Kylie Reed. Okay, what's your last one? My last book is The Kamawaga Food Detectives by Hisashi Kashiwai. And this, it comes out on February 13th, and it's a Japanese bestseller that is now in translation. And it takes place at a restaurant that's down a quiet street in uh, Kyoto, and it's where Koishi Kamawaga and her, fa- her father, Nagare, are food detectives, and they specialize in recreating dishes from patrons' treasured memories. They believe that by capturing the flavors of past moments, they can open the possibilities of the future to their customers, and they're willing to seek out lost recipes that are linked to forgotten memories and prove the power of food in our emotional lives. And I just think this sounds so charming. This does I, sound so charming. Yeah. Oh. I don't know how much plot there will be. Yeah. Um, I, it, it's a little bit hard to tell from the descriptions, but it just sounds so cute. And it has a little Meow Meow Kitty on the cover that's sitting in a bowl of noodles. Yeah. And I don't even like cats, but it's so cute. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I want to be part of that. So that is The Kamawaga Food Detectives by Hisashi uh, Kashiwai. It sounds sort of like Before the Coffee Gets Cold, which I'm... Yes, yeah, I think that that's, that's some of the comps yeah, that I'm seeing. Yeah. So, yeah, it just it just sounds so adorable. Yeah, it sounds sweet. All right, my last one is Bride by Allie Hazelwood. It comes out February 6th. And Allie Hazelwood is a romance author. She is known mostly for her romance novels that star women in STEM. And then she has some novellas as well. But it's sort of she she's actually received some criticism for basically always telling the same story over and over. Right. <laughs> because it's always a woman in STEM, and, and they typically have some some similar quirks and things. Her most recent one, Love Theoretically, I actually I really, really loved. It's one of my favorite romances I've read so far this year. But this one, this is, I love this. It's totally different. So it's like, <laughs> way to go, Allie Hazelwood. You, you, know, you lure these people into thinking they know exactly what they're going to get from you, and then you come out with this. And it's not actually a book that I would probably ordinarily be drawn to, but because she's writing it, I'm curious about it. So it's about Misery Lark, who is the daughter of a powerful vampire, and she is a complete (laughs) outcast. And it sounds like her father finagles a deal where she will marry the head of their enemies, who is a werewolf clan, who is a werewolf clan, 
And this marriage will help keep the fragile peace between these two groups that are natural-born en- enemies, basically. This, I mean, I don't even know what to expect from this, like because that is I'm so quite used the to departure. Her. That's I, that's all I know about it, and that it's Allie Hazelwood, and I've really enjoyed her other books. So I'm gonna, I'm going to give this one a shot. It's Bride by Allie Hazelwood. All right, we'll be right back with what we're reading this week. by Nicholas Binge. Do you know this? I gave it to, I got an arc of it and I gave it to Jeremy to read. Oh yeah, I think he'll like it. He did read it. He did read it, yeah. Oh good, good, good. Also apologies, my dog is right up in my (laughs) microphone right now. It has been trying to get my attention for the last half hour. So (laughs) if you can hear him breathing heavily, then that's, it's not me, it's him. So this is, this is a book that I'm basically trying to find a science fiction nomination for the committee right now, so that's why I've got more science fiction than than normal uh, these past few episodes. Um, But this one has a little bit more of a thriller side of it, so I think that might be a little bit more up my alley. So it starts out with a man named Ben Tunmore, um, who had a brother, Harold, who was a a brilliant scientist, and he always was different than the rest of the family, but was still close to them, and he doted on, on Ben's daughter. But Harold disappears suddenly, and the family eventually declares him dead. 30 years later, a friend of Ben's calls him, and he says that he's seen Harold in a mental hospital. And so Ben rushes there, and Harold recognizes him, but he's also, um, he becomes very agitated. So Ben goes home, and um, he wants to take him home that day, but he there's, of course, a lot more to it than that. And so he is trying to find a way to bring Harold back with him, and, and the best way to, to make that you know the best way to accommodate him and the best way to go about this legally and so or or where everything's in order but as he's going through this he receives word that Harold has committed suicide so he uh, goes to collect all of all of Harold's belongings and finds hundreds of pages of letters that are addressed to his uh, meaning Ben's daughter that explain what exactly happened to Harold while everyone thought he was dead so it sort of has this framing device of that then goes into the letters that he he's written. So he says that he had been hired by a mysterious organization to investigate a huge mountain that had suddenly appeared in the South Pacific. And there's nothing to explain it, but it's a, a real giant snow-covered mountain. So he goes with a team to investigate it. And as they're, they begin to climb, they realize that things are different there that um, time is moving differently and that their memories begin to fade and people start to behave erratically and often turn violent. And they all know um, as they're climbing that there are creatures or, or visions, they're having visions of creatures that are following them up into the snow as they're ascending and they don't know if they're real or, or if they're just something that they're hallucinating. So they believe that the only way to find answers is to keep, to, is to keep climbing up um, even if they're going to die while they do it. So it just sounds very uh, uh, creepy and and kind of a mix of science fiction with, I don't, I don't know science fiction probably well mm. enough, but, but like an alien kind of style. Right. The plot reminds me quite a bit of Annihilation by mm-hmm. Jeff Randermere, which I actually haven't read, but, but have, uh, it's kind of a classic at this point. So um, the book description is intriguing because it also says that it's, examining the limitations of science and faith and Harold in the book is at least the parts that I've read so far is overtly religious and 
that isn't something I see very often mm -hmm. in, in sci-fi. Um, again, I, I'm not super well versed in it, so that uh, that may not be true. But but from what I've read, it just doesn't come up as mm -hmm. much. And so it seems like it's going to have a, a more philosophical tone, um, which is something that that sounds interesting to me. So that is Ascension by Nicholas Binge. Have you read The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell? No. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, it has a beautiful cover, but no, I haven't read it. Yeah, talk about faith in science fiction. Eee. It's it's a heartbreaking book, though. You need to know that. It's like emotionally devastating, so you need to know that okay. going into it, but it's a, it's a wonderful book. It's worth reading. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm in the middle of five books right now, I want to say. <laughs> and so, I mean, not in the middle of, but I've, I've definitely started about five books. And so I went with the book that I finished yesterday because then I could actually talk about it because some of these other books I've barely started. So this is Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. This book is getting a lot of buzz. It came out, I think just recently, I think just at the beginning of August, maybe. And Elizabeth Acevedo has written teen books before, but this is, I believe, her first adult book. When I started it, it wasn't really grabbing my attention, and I thought, oh, this this just might not be for me. I might set it aside, but it ended up kind of sneaking up on me because I stuck with it and ended up quite liking it by the end. Like, I think that it was a slow start, kind of, or, well, I'll explain what, what wasn't working for me. So the book it alternates between viewpoints of different characters. It's four adult women who are sisters and then two of the daughters of the women who are also adults. And I think it just took me a while to kind of figure out who was who in the story because it, it goes back and forth between their stories and their perspectives. And so I think that I just wasn't quite settling into the story that well because every time I was reading a chapter, I was thinking, wait, who is this? I was trying too hard to, to put it all together, basically. So then once I had read a little bit longer and understood who each person was, what their story was, I liked it a lot better. So the book opens with one of the sisters, Floor, watching a documentary about somebody who holds a living wake for themselves. And she really likes this idea. She thinks that's such a nice idea to celebrate, celebrate people while they're still living instead of after they have died when... Of course, they don't know that all these people have gathered to say all these nice things about them. So she decides she's going to plan one. But the thing is, Floor has a special gift where she can see when people are going to die. And so it's unclear both to the reader throughout the book and to the other people in her life whether the wake that she is planning is for her or for somebody else that she knows and has seen their death coming. So the book goes, like I said, among each of the women as we get a glimpse into their lives and their relationships with each other. They all have stuff that they're dealing with, as most people do. They all have these aspects of their lives that are causing them some heartache or they're sort of some upheaval in their lives. And then it also, the story goes back, they're uh, Dominican, and so there's some, some bits of the story that take place in the past um, when they have either gone back to the Dominican Republic or were living in the Dominican Republic. So it's just this kind of like, the story kind of moves in ways that, again, kind of took a little while to settle into, but as, it, as the more you read, it comes together as a full picture, I think. I ended up really feeling for all of the stories. Like every story ended up being story a story that I was invested in. 
And I love reading family stories, and I especially love reading stories about sisters, somebody who has two sisters of my own. By the end, I found it to be a very moving portrait of this family. Um, so I would, re- I would definitely recommend it. I'm just giving the caveat that you might need to, you might, if you're like me, you might need to, to know that you're going to give it some time before it grabs you. So that is Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. And I have heard, I read a print copy of this from the library, but I've heard that listening to the audiobooks of her books is very good because she is a poet. Mm-hmm. Her, her teen books are all written in verse, I think. I hope I'm not... Not, not all, not all of them, of them. But, oh, okay. But the, the poet X is, okay. X is, and I think... I know some others are, but okay. Um, she has another called "With the Heat on High" that that was not. So anyway, I, I've heard in the past that her books are good on audio, so this one might be one to try out on audio too, because she does have a very lyrical way of writing. Uh, so that's yeah, "Family Lore" by Elizabeth Acevedo. And I think, and she uh, reads them too, or at least she read the Poet X, and it was she was a fantastic narrator. So oh, was she? Um, yeah, I would imagine. Yeah. I would imagine if you are a poet, or or think that's how you write that you have sort mm-hmm. of a melodic way of sharing that you'd have yeah. a, a good sense of rhythm of words I would think if that's how you think of writing him yeah 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 I think so yeah okay um well let's go back and list off all the books we talked about today okay I talked about Reykjavik by Ragnar Jonasson and Katrine Jakobsdottir um, Black Sheep by Rachel Harrison Black AF History by Michael Harriet Last to Leave the Room by Caitlin Starling Bookshops and Bone Dust by Travis Baldry, The Excitements by C.J. Ray, The Warm Hands of Ghosts by Catherine Arden, and uh, The Kamawaga Food Detectives by Hisashi Kashiwai. And what I'm reading this week is Ascension by Nicholas Binge. And I talked about The Christmas Orphans Club by Becca Freeman, The Fragile Threads of Power by V.E. Schwab, Family Meal by Brian Washington, The Leftover Woman by Jean Kwok, Iron Flame by Rebecca Yaros, The Bride Bet by Tessa Dare, Come and Get It by Kylie Reed, and Bride by Allie Hazelwood. And what I'm reading this week, or what I read this week, is Family Lore by Elizabeth Acevedo. So we would love to hear what books you are looking forward to this fall and winter. You can reach us at wellreadpod at gmail.com. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram at wellreadpodcast. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or your other podcast provider of choice. Our theme music is Kitten by Poddington Bear. We keep our show notes at wellreadpodcast.wordpress.com where you can find a listing of every book we talked about in this and every episode. Thanks and happy reading. Happy reading.